Before we get into this next episode of the Cannabis Diversity Report, I want to give a big thank you and shout out to my friends and sponsors from Forefront Ventures. You can visit their dispensaries, mission dispensaries in Illinois, Massachusetts, Michigan, Maryland, and Pennsylvania. Yo, 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 what's going on, fam? It's your boy, Tahir Johnson, and I'm back with another week of the Cannabis Diversity Report. I got my good brother from Jersey, Nadir Pearson, in the house. What up, fam? What is going on, Tahir? Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Shout out to the family. Yeah, man, yeah. So for everybody listening, Nadir is the founder of the Student Marijuana Alliance for Research and Transparency. Among many other things, this brother's making major moves in the cannabis industry. Man, just tell the folks out there a little bit about you, about SMART, and, you know, how you got in the cannabis industry. Yeah, so um, I'm a New Jersey native, um, born and raised, and ultimately made my way to Brown University for college. Um, I was a former D1 athlete, uh, and ultimately, you know, as uh, my career progressed, I got a few concussions playing and had to make a pivot. Um, and, and that time, I was still in college. You know, I still had a lot to do, um, but hadn't really explored my interest beyond sport. So, um, yeah, my sophomore year was a really important time for me to be in Boston, Rhode Island, New England area, um, and just start to get immersed into the industry, um, go to events like Women Grow, um, go to conferences like NCIA had, um, you know, in, in Boston. So all those kind of early experiences are, is how I got started. Yeah. And so for you as an athlete, right, like what was, did you, did you use cannabis at all to like help medicate or help with healing or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, most college athletes are, you know, they typically use cannabis more than just the typical student. Um, you know, anytime that I've met athletes, they, they're pretty familiar, um, you know, with, with just kind of using cannabis as an alternative, right? Um, for me personally, with the concussions and the migraines, uh, that was definitely something that, you know, cannabis was there for me. Um, I couldn't really, you know, that's not something that you're able to promote on campus, but luckily me as an Ivy League, uh, athlete, we don't really have drug testing in the same way that typical D1 schools have. Um, so typical D1 schools get tested for cannabis and for steroids, where we just get tested for steroids. Um, so I was still able to medicate in that way um, because, yeah, it, it, you know, it, it, it's the intensive sport on your body, on your, you know, your mind. So um, having something that isn't an aspirin all the time, isn't an Advil all the time, that's going to be breaking down your body when you're, you know. Uh, if you keep using that, it, it was uh, definitely good to have cannabis there. Yeah, man. And, and you know, um, like we were talking about before we went live, I'm a, I'm a Howard dude. So, you know, as Howard folks are always going hard and I'm always putting them on for HBCUs. Yeah. But I definitely want to show you some love. I see you got the, got the brown swag on, you know, for a young Ivy League brother, man. Like what, what was that experience like, um, you know, going there? Because I know it's not always the most diverse. So what was that experience like coming through an Ivy League? Yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely, you know, to your point, the a little bit the opposite of a of a HBCU and the Howard experience, but um, definitely you learn a lot. Um, I know I went to boarding school um, in high school in Connecticut, so that prepared me a lot for what a PWI was like. Um, it just got me to be very familiar with, you know, those who are in the one percent who could afford to pay my tuition, you know, over a vacation, right? Um, and so that was kind of like a formative experience for me. 
uh, just to be like, okay, cool. This is what it's like here. By the time I got to college, I already had lived on my own. I had already, you know, um, just been around people that were very different than me and my upbringing. So uh, by the time I got to Brown, I, I definitely had a head start because um, I know a lot of my counterparts that like, were freshmen were dealing with that culture shock of like, oh shit, like these people here been to Martha's Vineyard so many times and I've never left my block, right? So um, there's a very, you know, stark contrast in terms of what people are familiar with, like, you know, the conversations that you're having um, with people and like what you can do, right? And how your friend groups are shaped. So um, for me going to Brown, like I said, I was just knowing that that was ultimately going to be my network for years later. Um, so I kind of just, you know, use that to my advantage as much as possible. Yeah, absolutely, man. And, and I think that is definitely something that that does help to give you advantage because um, even though I went to an HBCU, I experienced the same thing. Like I went to um, Princeton Day School in New Jersey okay, um, yep. growing up. So, you know, being in that private school, it, it makes you prepare where you can, like you like you said, I, I knew how to be in that group and interact and then come back to the hood and interact and, and be the same person. So learning those skills early on, I mean, it's so it so, means so much. Right. And I mean, I, I would say additionally, like just taking your learnings and being able to kind of break it down and translate it. A lot of a lot of the things that we see in, in the world today are just like very simple. We just make it complicated, whether it's be a terminology, whether it's like legalese, right, or all these other ways that it's kind of a barriers to entry for accessibility. Uh, um, and I think, you know, through the work that we're doing in the space, but just even through, you know, that experience is right there is like, being able to kind of be this Robin Hood of information, right? Of like, well, I learned this here. Let me bring this back to, to people that, you know, I know need to know this and get a little bit more ahead in life, right? So I think I think that's kind of my biggest like push and drive even going into cannabis. Right. And so, and, and staying on that same note, like, so, and, that, and that's something that you've always been about, right? Like that's what you do with SMART. Like how did you, how did you get to, like, how'd you get the idea to start the organization and how did it come about? Yeah, yeah, I remember it was funny. Um, I like as much as I remember like coming up with the name and like being like, "Hey, I want to do this." Right? It was really just going into. I remember I went to see Beth Waterfall. Uh, uh, waterfall. <laughs> um, excuse me, Beth uh, in out of Women Grow at the time, uh, Northeast. Um, sorry, I forget their name. Uh, but you know, they're just out of New England, and nonetheless. Like I was going there, I would go to Nikan a lot. Um, and through there, I just was the only 19, 20 year old, right? Uh, so, so what that really got me to look around and say like, well, I know I'm the only young person here. A lot of people are making transitions from careers that they have already had. Um, why isn't that the case, right? And, and it wasn't because the industry wasn't looking for young people to get involved. It wasn't because, you know, young people didn't want to get involved. Um, it was because there was a disconnect here of saying, hey, you know, we're busy running our businesses. We haven't necessarily made the time or effort to look at the next generation, right? To look at who's going to help us and support these businesses, whether it's the workforce side, um, whether it's, you know, just young people who typically are the talent pipeline into new careers and into new jobs, right? When you look at Goldman Sachs, when you look at um, Facebook, Google, all these people are having heavy recruiting programs out of colleges, right? They invest tons and tons of money um, into colleges and, and, and kind of bringing them on um, and, and creating more engagement, even for freshmen and sophomore who aren't necessarily just maybe be doing internships, right? So um, because of all that, 
um, you know, in the absence of that in the cannabis space really got me thinking about what that could look like, you know, years from now. So, um, you know, thinking about education, research, and just job opportunities as a whole um, for people that, you know, look like me, both black and brown, but look like me in terms of, you know, just being younger folks um, would need to get access to. So, you know, I just started at small, started at Brown um, in 2017. We got that approved on campus, uh, you know, that was at a time when the industry was still very stigmatized, like even much more, like there was still Colorado, there's still California, right? But I guess that still wasn't enough for people at the time to realize that this was gonna be something for real. Um, nonetheless though, people were, you know, we had SSDP for folks who are familiar, right? Um, Students for Responsible Drug Policy was at Brown, um, but I did wanna create something that was very specifically targeted for cannabis because SSDP is a little bit broader and also spoke to a little bit of the entrepreneurship, a little bit more of the job opportunity and professional development um, that isn't necessarily inherent in SSDP. It's, it's part of it because you do the work on the policy side, um, but there wasn't something that really spoke to how, how to bring kind of the majors of, you know, whether it's biology, sociology, marketing, you know, finance, how do you bring that and intersect that with this space um, and create more pathways for that? So long story short, that was kind of like, you know, the full gamut of what kind of inspired me to create smart um and just seeing that you know the the, the lack of, in, yeah. in a lot of things so yeah. and so how many campuses are you on now and what kind of um different programs and things do you offer to students yeah yeah so right now um we're around uh five six chapters so brown university we got tuskegee alabama um we got university of texas austin cornell uh obviously obviously brown i might have counted that already um we have um yeah stockton university new jersey rutgers university new jersey right so you know it's definitely been great to have some like i think you know the, the way we've been able to expand is just through digital media through you know social media marketing and um making it so that you know people can find us um now most recently what we've been doing is a lot of this um, you know, webinars. Originally, we, you know, our, our big event that we had in 2018, uh, we had our college cannabis exhibition of High Times and Leafly. Oh, excuse me. So that was a, a really big event there just to bring students from across the Northeast. We had kids drive from as far as like three hours away. Um, we had over 100 students come out. Uh, so that was like a, just a big formative event, right, to just bring like-minded individuals together have uh, this also be at a, on a college campus, right? I think that's important as well as like the more things that events that we can have regarding cannabis on college campuses um, is important because these are, you know, like the institutions that are leading knowledge in our world, right? Um, and then now looking more towards like, can we do, you know, in our virtual landscape, can we do more job fairs online? Um, how can we prepare students uh, and getting them access to educational content? Right now we, our website typically has a lot of like, learn uh, like blogs, excuse me, blogs, like blogs that you can go on there that we've written um, that are just starting to introduce stories of people that are in our network and also um, vocabulary, like what is a multi-state operator, right? Um, that's a blog that we wanna start making sure that people understand this terminology and lingo, right? So that's one thing that we're doing on our site. Um, and I know right now talking to our team internally, we're gonna uh, be having a webinar. Well, there's one today um, that I'll be on for Michigan State University. Um, they have Charlie Batchel, I believe his name is, the CEO of Cresco um, is gonna be joining. So I'll be on there for a panel. Um, and additionally, we'll have CWCB 
uh, Expo this week, which we'll be giving all our students free access to. Um, so things like that, you know, same thing we've been talking about, National Cannabis Industry Association, just making sure that students can find access to these events. Um, sometimes they're a little bit expensive for a college student. Um, and so making, you know, increasing that, that access, lowering the barrier to entry um, so that everybody can get involved and we can all learn. Absolutely, man. And lowering that barrier to entry is something that's so critical to making sure that you said that all types of people have opportunities, um, especially today, man. Like you said, something you hit on is that everything exists in the digital space now, right? It's like if you're not online, you're not really doing it. And I know even before we met like two years ago, mm -hmm. I see that you've always been strong, right? I guess you've aged, right? You've always been strong on social media. You've always had a strong digital presence, like what are what are some what is some advice that you can give for people and you know how to tackle that? How do you build that strong online presence and also how can you like build a business and everything online through that? Right. Yeah, I think the the misconception that people have about online presences is that they're solely built online, right? Um, I you know that is like a touch point that people have for you to connect with you to communicate and for you to also communicate with them, right? Um, in terms of social media, your platforms and profiles, right? And I think a lot of people don't realize is like, you know, I don't get followers from, you know, just posting all the time. Like I get followers from going to events and connecting with people, right? Um, and going to conferences and making sure that, you know, I follow this account and they know me afterwards and, you know, oh, I introduced you to so-and-so, so let's stay in touch, right? Um, and, you know, not all the time is it like, give me your number. Sometimes it is, but you know, Instagram is another great tool and it's kind of staying connected and having people just be aware of the things that you're doing, right? So it's like, you can easily start to do some inception on people, right? And just like plant seeds of ideas of things that you're gonna be doing through your social, um, but meeting them in person too, to really forge that connection, I feel like is the most important part because if people didn't meet me in person, you know, I don't think it, everything would be as good. You know, like if it was only just knowing me from online, I don't think the connections would be as strong. But then for people to be like, oh, I met this guy in real life. He's actually like how he is more or less online. So that's kind of cool, right? And it's not like a total switch up of the person, yeah. right? And then boom, that makes you want to follow along. That makes you want to engage, right? So I think that, that, you know, is a balance of the authenticity also like I said just meeting people where they are and and don't think that social is like everything's digital because it's digital nowadays it is because we're in corona and what I would say to that is like really think about like what we're doing now right just like cross promoting with people that you know so that y'all can introduce each other to each other's audiences because as much as like me and Tahir may have a lot of people that we follow the same there's still a lot of people that we don't right um and a lot of people that would love to be introduced you know, for my network and vice versa. So I think that's kind of like, you know, one, one definitely like tidbit that I would give. Yeah, absolutely. That's a big one, man. Like you said, like the fact that you're this, this online presence is like your real presence, right? Like it's not just some made up stuff. Like if somebody meets me, like I'm same dude. Right. And, right. and it is so important for us to build, bring our audiences together. And um, speaking of IG, man, I seen you was blazing with Wiz the other day, man. Talk <laughs> about that, man. How'd you even do oh. that? Don't say the other day like it was like literally yesterday. Like two weeks ago, like two weeks, two, three weeks ago, something like that. Right? Yeah, it was it was during COVID. You know what I'm yeah, saying? It was COVID. during it was well, not I'm not gonna say during COVID. It was during the first part of COVID, right? Mm -hmm. 
Um, and so, yeah, that was when I was working at Herb, for those folks who don't know, like, to your point, like, I've been working at Smart, but I've mainly been doing a lot of, like, digital strategy, consulting in the space uh, on the freelance side. So previously worked at Hard Times, and then I just got done working at Herb.co, um, which gave, afforded me that opportunity to, to connect with Wiz, um, just for the fact that I was, you know, just like, I was running the Herb account on Instagram, Facebook, et cetera, on social. And, you know, Wiz was doing like his, I'm going to go on and smoke with people all the time because it's COVID and, you know, we're in the crib. So he was doing that. And I'm like, man, you know, it's Herb. The Herb account is Wiz. Like, that's just, that's two peas in a power. Also verified on Instagram, right? So like that account sticks out if you drop comments. Like if you're verified and you comment on an IG live of somebody who's verified, your comment will show up. You know what I mean? So um, I just stuck to my guns and then I submitted the request to go live. He picked up um, and I was like, oh, shit, let me go. <laughs> let me go run to smoke my bong real quick. And then he, he was like mad chill. That's why I'm like super excited. I was like, all right, he's still like to your point, the same person that I, you know, more or less felt like he was going to be right based mm -hmm. on how he's portrayed himself. And he was like, yeah, like, go ahead and get the bong. Like, no worries, bro. Get the girl. So like, you know what I mean? It wasn't like, yo. Hurry up and smoke, or I'm gonna X you out. Like, <laughs> no, no, that's facts. He definitely is, and he's definitely yeah. always really smoking too. Right. That is wow. That is one of them funny things. Like you hit the button on IG, not expecting it to happen. You're like, oh shit, I'm I'm live. Yeah. So exactly. So he 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 like he gave me my second to you know get the bong out, and then we just started talking about like this is when COVID and 5G and everything was at an all time high, and nobody knew what was going on. Um, so like I said, it was a very rich experience for, uh, you know, somebody who loves smoking weed, who loves this space. Um, everybody wants to talk to Wiz, even if it's on live for 15 seconds. So uh, right. I definitely was honored. <laughs> right. Yeah, man. And, and, you know, talking about the, the media thing a little bit more, like you said, you were at Urban and previously High Times, which is like a legendary publication. Uh, what was what was that experience like and what was it like seeing cannabis media through the eyes of like those two organizations? Yeah, I mean, I definitely would say this is it's always been my where I've like been at is like doing photo, video, content. You know, I started like myself as like an influencer more or less. And my my job at High Times was really great because I was still in school at the time. Uh, I was still running smart. Well, like, you know, I am still running smart, but. I was still on campus running the Brown chapter. We did have that event that I mentioned in 2018. Um, and I was working with the, one of the VPs at, at High Times who was a Brown alum himself. So that worked out um, and we held that successful event. And he said, hey, listen, um, you know, you can, you can come to Brown, or me, you can come to High Times, uh, you know, and work with us for, you know, and I was like, well, listen, I'm trying to take some time off from school. So that would be perfect, like to come for the fall. So. Uh, he gave me, he granted me that opportunity to come and just shoot content for the month um, and just help out there. I got to, that's when I got to interview Moneybag Yo um, before I even knew who Moneybag Yo was. So I was like, heard you. Uh, and nowadays I look back at that interview and I'm like, okay, like that, is, like he's late, he's late. He's late. <laughs> right. I didn't, I didn't know at the time. I didn't know at the time, but um, I, like I said, I think that just those intersections between mainstream media um, culture, hip hop, right. And cannabis has always been there. Um, so to be able to sit at that intersection, um, and be somebody that people like look to and know of, um, that is kind of in that mix is like, like one of my biggest accomplishments, even if I, you know, stopped working today, right. Just 
being able to kind of be in that realm as these things meld together, um, I think is really important because we're starting to see the licensing deals take place, right? We're starting to see how, you know, Jay-Z's involved, right? Every, every rapper and their moms, you know, has a strain or wants to create a product of some sort. Um, record labels are now seeing how can they use this to recreate, you know, what was the original, um, you know, sales on merch, but now can we explore what that looks like, right? When I know Party Next Door just did a party pack, right? Mm -hmm. So you had Flower, you had the Persian, you know, the party pack uh, disc uh, that they just dropped with as well as like a lighter and some rolling papers that he did with uh, my boy Z's light, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I was there to able to help kind of just facilitate that collaboration, uh, not on the whole party pack, but at least on the rolling paper side of things. Um, but that still goes to show, right? Like how this is starting to come about while, you know, they're going to be looking to folks who have that expertise, the knowledge and experience um, in this space to help create some of these new cool experiential um, marketing opportunities for artists and, and for, you know, like whether it's music or just culture in general, you know, we see so many folks like Joe Fresh Goods, Cares by Anwar, um, you know, Chinatown Market, right? Like you don't be surprised if you see more and more of these people, you know, creating bongs, creating, you know, different product lines, right? So that's kind of what I've been seeing and just trying to do what I can to position myself to be a resource and somebody that can uh, lead some of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. And speaking of dope experiences, man, we've been together a couple of times over like the last month for some for some kind of lit stuff. Right. First, um, Mass Massachusetts, man, like us all mobbing up and being there in Massachusetts for um, Shayun's grand opening and Elevate. For me, seeing all those beautiful black people there, especially in that community, meant a lot for me, man. What was right. it? You know, what was that like for you up there? What was your What's your perspective on it? Oh yeah, that was super motivation. I mean, that was probably like a week or two after I left Herb, because um, I was working at Herb for the past year when I was finishing school last fall up until you know this past October, um, and so you know, kind of just taking a break from that because it was just through the pandemic. It was I even uh, you know I was working there when I was in my last semester of school too full time, so just kind of like all that combined, I wanted to take a break after a year, but then being able to go to Shayun's event. Um, for Elevate Cannabis in, in Athol, Massachusetts was, you know, really good, just like motivation, quick spark um, to see everybody again too. Not everybody, but just at least like yourself, Leo, like just some of the people that we typically are, you know, seeing each other, you know, three, four, five times a year minimum, you know what I mean? Uh, because we're always at conferences and events and we always have after hours. So, and that's usually like our time to bond and build. And I feel like that's been so important for us as black people in the space too, to have that communion um, because you don't, you know, you get to work at home, you're in the grind by yourself. Um, but then to just be together with your people and be like, oh, okay, like this is why we do it. You know, this is exactly, you know, the history that we're trying to make, right. And the precedence that we're trying to set uh, is always like, like I said, reaffirming and just re-energizing because it gets hard out here when you playing these political games and, and when you're trying to just, you know, deal with, with, fucking white supremacy, racism, sexism, you know, you name it. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm excited for Shayun. He's a multi-state operator now, right? Like that is, that's, you know, kudos to him again. So I'm um, happy to like, for us to be there to support him as well, right? To just also be like, yo, people will show up. Like we are here for you. Um, I feel like all that stuff is, is super important and why we did what we did. It was a moment, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely to support him and, and the energy that I left with was so dope, man. Like like you said, just being around all of y'all. 
And then to talk about the second one, man, and this is like recent, recent in New Jersey, yep. man. We literally did all, all come together like the Avengers, man. We had everybody working on this, man. It was it's wild because I don't think I ever really even realized how many people like in the cannabis industry are like from Jersey or live in Jersey. So to be able to do that was, I thought super, um, it was super cool, man. So, so to talk for people that are listening that may not know about um, I know everyone knows that New Jersey legalized cannabis through the vote last week um, or November 3rd, but could you talk a little bit more about the, the bills that were proposed and why we were opposed to it and, and just that little process a little bit more? Yeah, um, so right now um, on the ballot is Bill 821. Um, and so Senator Nicholas Gutari introduced the bill last year, I believe is S21. Um, it's reintroduced again. Not much has changed. The main thing that's changed is uh, it's about 90% the same and with now some added uh, municipality clauses and controls there. So they'll be able to determine, you know, and ban uh, cannabis. So that's kind of one thing. Um, and unfortunately this bill didn't get passed the last time. Um, so for them to reintroduce it and if to have a 200 page bill that doesn't say social equity in it. Um, and yet, you know, we had, uh, we were on the call, the assembly hearing last week um, and we had Mr. Joseph Danielson tell us that this is the most progressive bill um, in the country, you know, and telling folks that are, you know, just not your everyday people, but folks who are obviously working in the cannabis space day to day and year to year um, is actually, you know, it's, it's gaslighting in its most like vivid sense. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, that was definitely like, to your point, just kind of like, where it's like, yay, I'm glad we're doing this together because damn, wow. Like these people are really, you know, committed to saying that this is what you consider equitable. This is what you consider a step in the right direction, right? Um, there's tax, there's issues with tax allocations. There's issues with home grow, um, not being on the bill. Um, currently only about 15% of licenses would be reserved for um, racial minorities. Um, another 15% would be reserved for veterans and another 15% would be reserved for um, women-owned businesses. So it's just to say that we really, you know, are not, doing what we said we were going to do in terms of helping those who are harmed the most, right? So if I was harmed the most, you need to help me the most, right? Uh, this is what equity is about in, in the most basic sense. So, um, you know, that is something that, you know, we have to speak up for, um, to your point, from all angles, um, from people who are patients, from people who are entrepreneurs, from people who are uh, advocates in that sense. Um, and I'm glad, you know, at least we got to see that the bill um, got paused or at least is on hold um, as of last week. Um, but it, it is definitely like, you know, we have big corporations that were on the call um, that didn't speak up in, in the name of equity rights. So it's to say that some people are happy with this and some people aren't. And it's the same old tale of like, who's happy and who's not? And why is that the case? Right. And it's nothing new, um, unfortunately. And, and it's not to say that also New Jersey, in terms of at least Governor Murphy, every time he's talked about cannabis in the last four or five years, he's been bringing up equity. So I know they know what the word is. Right. Um, and for it to kind of just be uh, evaporated as soon as the bill you know, gets passed, everybody's happy around um, legalization on Friday. And then you see zero business days later on Monday. Um, we're trying to pass. We're trying to pass something real quick. We're trying to pass something real quick. It's like, what is going on here? So um, we see that. Right. Advocates see that um, folks in the space see that. So, um, yeah, that's what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. And it, the, the, it looks like the other bill. Um, for the D the decrim bill is up for vote in the Senate today, um, up to six ounces, 
Um, I believe it's distribution up to an ounce is like a minor offense and possession of up to an ounce of psilocybin. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'll say that I'm glad to see that on the, I guess, the justice side, they're, they're making some good strides. But like you said, on this access to the industry is something completely different. And we have to make sure that we stay focused on the economic outcome of it, not just the criminal side of it. Yeah. And I mean, even to the criminal side, I had somebody comment on Smart's page, a CBD store from New Jersey, talking about, oh, if if they committed a crime, that was the law when that was the law and then blah, 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 right? So that's garbage too, right? And to just to your point of like, yeah, decriminalization is happening, but what's up with expungement, right? right. Do we need funding earmarked to make sure that people can get, you know, all that process really quickly? Because we've seen the government websites, you go to like, what is it, njledge.gov, and that is one of the most basic and most difficult websites to operate, right? And and, and I'm somebody who uses computers and who is supposed to be in tune with computers, let alone the people who may be 30, 40, 50 years old who are dealing with expungement records, right? Or even just young people who don't know how to use that website because I'm telling you, it's extremely difficult. <laughs> so, you know, what is up with that though, right? Because that is, again, oh, we're just looking forward. We're, we're, not, we're not looking back. We're, we didn't do nothing back here, right? So I, I think that's kind of, you know, right. the one issue uh, that we need to think about as well, too, is like the future and what we have done to people in the past because people can't get their life back, you know? There was a gentleman on the assembly hearing that was, you know, going nuts, right? Um, he was screaming. He was, he was very upset, very emotional. Um, and, you know, people will say, hey, like, that's not called for, like, time and place. But it's like, do you know what this man went through? Do you know what he, said he lost his through? job was, like, you know, was in in jail and now you're talking about by their family right like for something that you're going to go ahead and make millions of dollars off of, billions of dollars off of so it's like i totally understand there's this need for you know political correctness and formality but some you know people's lives were indeed ruined um in the most visceral sense absolutely yeah man and, and new jersey i think it's important for us to get it right here because where we're positioned is going to mean a lot for so many other places on the East Coast. So if we let them get away with it here, they're going to try to get away with it everywhere. Yeah, I mean, if we don't have social equity here, New York is going to say, it's a breeze. They're going to try to, you know, do the same thing. So um, Connecticut, right, it's like, they're not going to, oh, well, New Jersey's doing it, right? You know, uh, New Jersey's law, right, is there going to be a lot of comparisons in that way. So we don't want to be the folks uh, setting that precedent where people can look to us and, and not be a good example. Yeah, man. You know, it's so dope, bro. You really have been able to accomplish so much in such a short amount of time. And it's, it's definitely because of the hustle, man. Like, I, I always knew you were doing stuff, but I didn't even realize you were, like, in school full time, working full time. Like, and that that grind is, like, what it takes to, like, make it in this, right? Like, people always ask me, like, dang, I see you doing so much, but it's like, you got to. Um, you know, for somebody like you, you know, who's been able to achieve a lot while you're young and still has so much more to go, bro. Like what, what type of advice do you give for other college students, you know, like young alumni or people in color like that, that want to, that want to try to get an opportunity in the cannabis industry? Yeah. I mean, like for me, I just feel like the easiest thing is just do something for free. Like if you can't, if you don't want to do it for free, you don't want to do it. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like I do this shit for free. I've been doing it for free for years, you know, and then I got to start getting paid for it because I knew how to break it down. I knew you know, what value I was bringing to the table, but I had to learn what value I was bringing to the table too. 
Um, I had to, you know, also sharpen my skill to bring more value to the table. So it's a matter of kind of taking what you already knew. I had my photo and video that always let me get into a room. Um, and then I could expand upon that, right? Then I learned how to use that for social media, how to gear it towards that for businesses, how to make that a tool um, that was sought after and needed. Um, so being able to think about where the value is and how you could bring that is always like the biggest thing. But I, I, the only way I was able to do that was by, you know, just having conversations and, you know, being out there, getting involved with people and just listening and asking questions, you know, saying, oh, that's how your business goes. Oh, what, you know, oh, is this, and you're operating in California? Okay, how much does it cost per pound? How much does it cost? Like, I just ask all types of questions until they say like, out of fact, I'm not going to tell you that. Or they just keep telling you because it's like, I'm just asking, like, it's one thing to ask questions. It's one thing to go and execute a plan. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's why I don't necessarily get like, like concerned anymore about like sauce. It's like, yo, you can tell somebody everything in the world. If they're not going to do it, they're not going to do it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's at a certain point, you just got to go do it, right? Like whether it's you getting on calls and, and, you know, calling your senator just to have experience on what that script is like, because all those things translate to, you know, aspects of business, mm -hmm. um, you know, whether it's sending emails and being in, you know, admin support or being in the lab, right? Like all those things relate to this industry. So, um, but at the end of the day, it's going to be about your relationships and meeting people and, and what opportunities you can find and create for yourself, because not everything in this industry is like, here's the job, uh, you know, 60K with health benefits. And, you know, it's like, I haven't had that job yet. I'm not really looking for that job, you know. Um, I'm looking to do something for, you know, myself and, and for others, but um, in a way that, you know, you, you got to build it from the ground up. So I think that's kind of one thing is like, if you're looking for that cushy lifestyle, you might want to look elsewhere in the meantime. Um, mm -hmm. But if you're ready to just dive headfirst into something, maybe do some things for free um, and, and maybe just like make sure that you're lined up with the right people who want to see you win, you'll be good. Yeah, absolutely, man. I think that's great advice, man. Like you said, you got to start somewhere, um, learn it and prove what you could do, man, and make yourself valuable. That's that's great advice. Yeah, man. And so for all the people out there listening, man, tell everybody where they could catch up with you, you know, where they could find you on social and all of that. And, um, you know, what's what's some of the next thing? What, what's some stuff you're working on now? Yeah. So um, for everybody who wants to stay in touch, you know, this is my first and last name on Instagram and Twitter. Um, first and last name at gmail.com. Uh, and then smart. You can find us at studentmmj.com, uh, at Student MMJ Alliance. So, you know, that's how you that's where you can tap in with us for myself. Um, I'm just looking forward to continuing to work. Uh, you know, I'm East Coast project lead at Can Inclusive right now. Um, so we've been having some really great, great things in the works, you know, shout out that team for building out the, the accountability list, the inclusive base, um, just building out these really strong data sets, right. Um, that this industry needs, because as much as there's been tools and money invested in kind of tearing down and, and destroying uh, black and brown communities, we need to really start building these other, you know, types of systems to hold account, um, and to keep people responsible, um, in, in a way that's, you know, everybody can see. So shout out to them. So yeah, you can continue doing work with them. Holiday season is coming. So there's going to be a lot of giveaways. going to be a lot of excitement. Going to try to bring some holiday cheer, you know, into 2020 a little bit because it's been rough out here. Um, and yeah, just we're excited to help businesses all of, uh, you know, 2021 as well. I know right now, you know, money is the name of the game. Um, there's a lot of talks on just VC, raising money um, and, you know, the support that, social equity operators, but just growing businesses are going to need in the cannabis space in general. 
Um, so I look forward to kind of just working more with businesses on that uh, end as well um, and, and helping investors and folks get into the space. Yeah, man. And definitely shout out to Mary and the whole Can Inclusive fam. Actually, if you're listening, if you're an NCI member or not, um, we have X, um, we're, we're um, publicly endorsing and supporting the accountability list. So we have a link to it on our website. As a cannabis company, this is a great tool to make sure that you are holding yourself accountable and that we're trying to build a diverse and inclusive industry. So please support the accountability list um, for everybody out there in the cannabis industry look, listening. Um, and bro, it's definitely um, definitely good catching up with you, man. Like I said, I'm going to be all up in Jersey, man, over this um, next whatever. So I'm definitely going to pull up on you and, and, and I'll ask you, man. Let's do it. Let's do it. You know, we'll be around. Let's make sure uh, we masked up six feet apart. Yeah, you know six, feet of, six feet apart. You could smoke your J outside over yeah, there. Yeah, you know, we got plenty. <laughs> but beautiful. Yo, thank you so much. Thank you to the NCIA team. Thank you, Vince, uh, for making this possible and just making it super smooth and fun time. Absolutely, bro. We'll link up soon.